When it comes to type 2 diabetes, it's hard to know where to start, but maybe worth starting with the practicality of how these patients present. And unlike type 1 diabetes, which frequently presents with polydipsia, polyuria, so a lot of thirst and urination, type 2 diabetes often does not present that way. Particularly, people will present either on screening tests and labs or much more common if you're in a hospital setting with some sort of complication, a cardiovascular complication, kidney disease, um, maybe an infection like cellulitis or plenty of other infections. It turns out bacteria love the source of high sugar as a fuel and also neutrophils get inhibited when you start getting significant hyperglycemia. But unlike type 1 diabetics that often present with DKA, with diabetic ketoacidosis, in type 2 diabetes, usually, particularly in the early stages, there's enough residual insulin production from the beta cells in the pancreas that make insulin that you don't have lipolysis as an early problem. And what I mean by lipolysis is the breakdown of fats and other lipids to release fatty acids. However, it should be noted that a lot of type 2 diabetics, particularly with an acute illness, they can suddenly present with a lot of metabolic stress and become ketone producers and be having lipolysis. And therefore, some type 2 diabetics either can present with DKA or develop DKA at a point in their disease. Now, of course, the fatty acids and glycerol molecules liberated by lipolysis in normal metabolism, in normal everyday life, are important because they generate energy needs that your body can utilize. But too much acid in your blood can be a bad thing. And so we see that a lot in presentations to hospitals and emergency rooms. But it's not the main thing we see with type 2 diabetes, as opposed to we frequently see. It's not maybe the main thing we see with type 1 diabetes, but it's a very frequent presentation. So insulin, it inhibits lipolysis. It slows down that breakdown of adipose tissue, of fat. And so one of the many, many things that insulin does, and I don't want to make it sound like it just does one thing, is that it is important in fat metabolism. And so what we know with insulin is that it also promotes lipogenesis. Insulin stimulates lipogenesis, by promoting glucose uptake into adipose tissues. So with the help of insulin, we convert sugars, carbohydrates, into fats. And that's why we all know when we eat a lot of sugars and carbohydrates, even though we may not even have a high fatty diet, we just eat a ton of pasta and become fat. That is the process of lipogenesis, which insulin is a big part of, not the only player in. But again, it is also the reason why we see with a lot of our patients that giving insulin can cause weight gain. 
Likewise, drugs that stimulate insulin secretion, like sulfonylureas, you know, that's your glibiride or glipizide, they also cause weight gain. In addition to storing fat by lipogenesis, insulin helps with the formation of glycogen from sugar, and that's called glycogenesis. So that's where glucose molecules are added to chains of glycogen for storage purposes. And this glycogenesis typically occurs in the liver and in the muscles. And so insulin, once it starts stimulating this process, also suppresses an opposite hormone called glucagon. And that's where I really was trying to get to with this small introduction is mentioning glucagon because you can understand everything about insulin, which is not nearly as complicated. Obviously, prescribing insulin can be very complicated, but just the basic idea process of the pancreas releasing insulin from beta cells in response to high blood sugar or hyperglycemia, and then insulin stimulating the glucose uptake by other cells in the body. But at the same time, insulin is doing something very important, which is suppressing glucagon secretion. And if we're going to understand type 2 diabetes, if you're going to understand some of the new medications that are extremely important and effective, and even if you're not prescribing them, you have to understand these medications when you're taking care of patients that are on them, then you are going to have to dive a little bit deeper into understanding the role of glucagon in the pathophysiology and treatment of type 2 diabetes. Because the days of thinking of diabetes as just being about insulin are way over. The paradigm has shifted. Insulin is a huge and important part of the story and will always remain so. But it's just like if you get a philosophy degree, it's huge and important to you, but you can't make a living with it. And the fact is, if you're going to treat type 2 diabetes, understanding the roles and the pathophysiology and treatment issues with insulin are very important. But if you're going to be effective, you need a lot more in your knowledge in your armamentarium. So when I come back in what I envision is likely going to end up being a many-part series on type 2 diabetes, the next thing we really have to understand is glucagon. Yes, glucagon stimulates the release of glucose into our plasma and blood. And yes, there are whole medication classes like GLP-1s and DPP-4s that suppress glucagon secretion, among other things that they do. But I fear a deeper understanding than just those important basics is going to be extremely important if you plan on understanding type 2 diabetes and prescribing effectively and understanding where a lot of the future is going with this disease and treatment. So yes, blood sugar lowering is extremely important. In fact, diabetics are one of my few patient populations that take drugs to avoid getting high, but 
that blood sugar lowering is not always through insulin, meaning there are other ways we can lower high blood sugars, at least in type 2 diabetics. Obviously, type 1 diabetes can be a totally different disease, and particularly with type 1 diabetes, lifelong insulin therapy is the first-line treatment, unless you get a beta cell transplant or things we probably will not be touching, because I really don't want to get too much into type 1 diabetes in this lecture series, because it's going to be long enough just trying to tackle some of the concepts behind type 2 diabetes and giving practical tips on that. So with that said, this is Gil Parat signing off on this round. I'll catch you on the next rounds.